All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, non-stop Leafs talk starts now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga with you at the Gold Muzzy on Instagram, Twitter. If you want to follow along, Jay Rosehill, clearly not here today, but uh, he'll be back tomorrow. But don't fret. Three hits with Rosie is coming up. I asked Rosie to take a look at the midway mark of the regular season for the Maple Leafs. And quite frankly, that is the theme of today's show. So stay tuned for that. Should mention as well, uh, Matt Larkin of uh, Daily Faceoff will drop by in about 10 minutes or so to break down the Leafs. Again, a 41-game mark, 41 games in, I should say, to this regular season for the Leafs, 41 to go. It seems like just yesterday the season got underway, yet here we are, uh, game number 42 again, coming up tomorrow night against the Nashville Predators. Should mention off the top a bit of news via social media involving, of course, the Leafs. E.J. Brody being placed on injured reserve and Toronto recalling Bobby McMahon. What a name from the uh, Toronto Marlies of the American Hockey League. We'll see if he potentially gets into his uh, NHL debut coming up against Nashville on Wednesday. But uh, a bit of news certainly coming off the game the other night uh, where Brody surprisingly didn't play. I mean, I don't, I don't think we expected that at all. And then Brody doesn't play in that game. Connor Timmons plays, gets one and one. And it seems like maybe it's uh, it's a bit longer. Maybe the recovery period's a bit longer to TJ Brody. But certainly, I think it helps that Toronto's had that depth as of late when it comes to the back end. Um, as per usual, you can get interactive in the chat. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out. Uh, don't forget to visit theleafsnation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs, presumably 
Um, many of the staff involved uh, over at the Leafs Nation will have a story coming up on TJ Brody hitting the injured reserve, Bobby McMahon uh, getting the call from the American Hockey League. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns? Again, you can drop me a line down in the chat below here, and I'll get to that a bit later on in the show around my Points Bet Canada plate of the day. Uh, so again, Matt Larkin is uh, coming about 10 minutes from first. Let's get into topic number one of the show. We're going to get over the boards. So yes, it's the true midway mark of the regular season for the Maple Leafs, and it really is eerily similar to last season, if you can believe it. In fact, they're one point off the pace from last year. They had 115 last year. They're currently on pace for 114 this year, 25-9-7. and um, Home record of 14-3-4, and away of 11-6-3, and as you see on your screen. There's been a lot more depth this season, I would say. Mitch Marner's had a phenomenal year. Austin Matthews, I think by his standards, an offseason, but still when you're Getting 20 goals, he's clearly on pace for 40, having 20 and 41 here so far. Nylander's having a phenomenal season. So pretty much on par, I mean, if you average out the numbers to what they put forth last season, maybe just coming a bit from different areas. Of course, Matthew's not scoring at the rate that he did last year. But all in all, the offense looks pretty much the same. They're seventh in goals for 3.44 per game. Uh, the power play has been humming along once again. I know they struggled a bit as of late. Uh, tinkered with that five-man forward unit, but seventh, tied for seventh at 25%. You would expect that to get better. Again, Morgan Riley on the weekend back on PP1 for this Leafs team. And goals against, again, has been a true story. Granted, it's uh, tapered off a bit as of late. Uh, not the same type of uh, bite, if you will, that they saw maybe in the first 30 games of the season. But, uh, I, you know, I did the research. The numbers still back it up. The Leafs third in the NHL in goals against 2.61 per game. Uh, the penalty penalty kill mid-pack, I think in a perfect world, you want a top 10 PK, but they're uh, looking at around 16th right now, 78.6%. And all in all, like, I, you know, I'm always weary to give grade marks halfway through a season, but in terms of my expectations, this is pretty much what I expected from this team. Not to be a hard marker, I would give them an A-, a-, maybe a, a B+. Plus. Like, and we'll ask Matt Larkin coming up. It's just so hard to grade when you look at this Leafs team because I think you want to see the whole body of work and you want to see what they put forth in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So if you want to give this team a grade mark in the chat, please do so, Tim. I know you're watching right now and others. If you want to give a grade mark um, as to your thoughts on the Leafs through the uh, first 41 games of the regular season, how you would grade them, maybe based on your expectations, then uh, let me know in the chat down below and I'll be happy to recite that a bit later on here in the show. But certainly that's the way I would grade them so far. B plus, A minus. Again, it's pretty much what I expected and then I just went over the numbers. It's pretty much what we saw last year. Again, some different personnel in the lineup. Certainly the goaltending situation a bit different. I would say for me at least, that's exceeded expectations. Granted, the last little while, you start to wonder, here come the stories again. Should the Leafs pick up a goalie between now and the March 3rd trade deadline? I think it's a bit premature on that front, but certainly something to monitor as you move closer and closer to the trade deadline in a couple months from now. So again, if you want to give your grade marks, and I'll ask Matt Larkin coming up as well, please do so. I know I wasn't a big fan of midterms. Um, I don't think it's fair and right to uh, grade a team at the midway point, but here we are. You have to do a show on it. You have to analyze what we've seen in the unofficial now official first half of the season and look forward to the second half, certainly as they build momentum towards the Stanley Cup playoffs. With that in mind, I will get to topic number two. My co-host Jay Rosehill is not here today, and we love to hear from Rosie, especially when it's three hits with Rosie. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey folks, welcome back to Three Hits with Rosie Posey. It seems like it's been a long time, so let's get this one started. We're going three hits. It is the halfway point in the season exactly. We have had a season that's flying by, lots has happened, and pretty good looking team as far as the standings are concerned right now. And I'm going to go one, two, three hits with grading the goalies, the forwards, and the defense. So let's get her started. Back on the back end, number one, I'm giving the goalies a grade of a a there's room for improvement but it's solid i mean a lot of storyline coming into this season with you know what kyle dubas did bring in these two guys a lot of naysayers a lot of people thinking that it's uh, it wasn't good enough but you know what were the alternatives you could keep jack campbell he's not having the best season i think if he was in toronto it would be a, it would be more of the same and people would be wishing dubas made some moves and he made moves and these guys are standing in there very very well i mean it's literally as good as we can ask for i can't imagine people complaining about the goaltending situation in toronto right now i mean murray's got a Two five seven goals against average and a nine one six save percentage. Very similar with Sammy. Both of them playing sixteen games. Two point two nine goals against for Sammy and the exact same nine one six save percentage. That's solid. Don't forget about Eric Schalgren there early on when when we didn't have anybody. He bailed us out a lot and you know in ten games he had a two point six seven and an eight nine eight save percentage and I think he got a lot of points on the board that uh, allowed this team to be up there in the standings the way that they are so don't forget about him and it's nice to have that depth in the goaltending position and uh you know i just don't understand why you would come down too hard on these goalies i mean what else was available there was nothing else available i think this is good as what could have happened and i think we're in a great spot right now with again this one-two punch moving on to the forwards i'm giving the forwards a b plus we got the usual suspects the matthews the marners Nylanders, you know johnny t's lighting it up lately that's all fine and dandy. That's kind of expected. But what I like is, you know, the yarn croaks that are stepping up and starting to give that secondary scoring. You know, Engvall and Kerfoot are kind of mixing it in there now and starting to emerge with a little bit of secondary scoring. David Camp, you know, a guy that doesn't get a lot of, you know, herald in the newspaper about his fantastic play all over the score sheet. But he quietly really solidifies that fourth line penalty kill, um, really keeps things together back there and doesn't get a lot of accolades for it. So don't forget about those guys as well. Be plus for the forwards back on defense if you'll remember they were decimated I mean they ran D-men through there like it was a tryout game and uh, lots of guys stood in there and, and stepped up I mean Rasmus Sandin right now has been standing in there you know showing uh, some good prowess offensively with 14 points so far this year as a young defenseman that's tough to do obviously Morgan Riley being hurt for a little bit he's still got you know that 20 points on the board and you know Gio my favorite defenseman on the team right now he brings that that caliber of defenseman that was Norris worthy, you know, a few years ago, he's got that experience. And I really think he's valuable in the locker room. Love him blocking shots, standing up for teammates, playing big minutes and, and eats absolutely nothing of the salary cap. So you can't forget that, you know, when Jake Muzzin goes out like that, it was really difficult. And I think this decor deserves a lot. That's why they're getting an A as far as what they did to help keep this team 
on the rails early in the season because it could have gone bad. They could have dropped so many games and gotten themselves way behind the eight ball as far as the standings are concerned. And who knows what happens after that? All of a sudden, you're looking at wild card or who knows. So, you know, big props to the defense for keeping them in. And let's keep some healthy bodies going here right now. But like we said, the season's gone by so quick. We only got halfway left. But if the trends continue on where they're going and constantly getting better, I think they're going to be in good shape for the playoffs. What do you think about that, Nicky boy? I like it. I like it. And what another great throw by Jay Rosal. I just wonder if he actually plays pool. I see the pool cues behind him. But knowing uh, myself, my parents bought a pool table for us, me and my brother, years ago. And we never touched it once. And it was a phenomenal table. So I just wonder more so if Rosie touches that pool table. But I digress. Uh, yeah, I do think this Leafs team is set up well for the Stanley Cup playoffs, Rosie. But I do think he was an easy market marker as we bring in uh, managing editor and senior writer for Daily Faceoff. It is Matt Larkin. Larks, uh, just piggybacking off Rosie's uh, fantastic three hits with Rosie there. Uh, what's your breakdown of the Leafs here in the first half? Is clearly you've covered this team for a long, long time. Yeah, it's good to be here, Nick, my friend. And I'm going to go to the Denny Greenwell and say they were who we thought they were. We know this is a dominant regular season team. This team is always dominant in the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner era. The only teams with more wins since those two guys started their careers are the Tampa Bay Lightning and Boston Bruins. And to me, it's, I don't want to say exciting because it's what we expect. And it's still, to me, it, it doesn't prove anything about this team. And I, I feel like I'm pessimistic when I say that. But here they are on this collision course. Again, look at those standings, man. They're locked in. This team is playing the Tampa Bay Lightning again. And that will be what we will judge them on this season not what they do in the regular season even though they're on pace to once again challenge 50 plus wins they're going to flirt with that mark they set last year 115 points we already knew that about this team they've got good special teams they're a dominant offensive team maybe not quite as dominant this season they've overcome a lot of injuries but it's not going to matter until we see them get past that first round of the playoffs Maddie, this is why I brought you on. We can relate. Um, so, uh, you know, it's important to note that it's Rosie's first season covering this team. So he hasn't been jaded yet. Like, you know, I cover this team and I did their radio during the, the Columbus series, the Montreal series. Just we've seen so many disappointments where I think the Leafs are in a select company of teams where it really doesn't matter what they do in the regular season, right? It's true. And I even said this. It was before last season. It's funny. I don't even know which season it was anymore because the record is broken here. But I said it to Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner before last season. I said, is it a little hard to get up for the season? I know it's not, you're not supposed to say that. That's not the answer I'm going to get. But just knowing that what you do in the regular season doesn't really matter anymore. You're already established as a dominant team. Clearly, you're going to be challenging for the division lead. You're going to have well over 100 points. Most of your star forwards are going to be challenging for individual accolades. We already know all that. We've got the Hart Trophy now for Matthews, the Rocket Richard. It doesn't matter. Can you get past the Tampa Bay Lightning in round one? And I do think if you're Kyle Dubas, you have to think about that when you get closer to the trade deadline. And I've been saying this for a couple of years now, uh, looking at especially at the top six forward group, what the Leafs lack is heavy skill. That's my oxymoron, heavy skill. They sometimes have injected their lineup with heaviness, but it's in the bottom six. Those are the guys that don't get the minutes in the playoffs. You see guys last year like Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons, they end up scratched because they get in disciplinary trouble, right? But I'm talking about players like Gabriel Landeskog, Tom Wilson, Braden Shen. All those guys have ranks, right? And that's heavy skill. Someone who has the ability to play in your top six, but can also bring a heavy game while still playing 18, 19, 20 minutes a night. And I wonder if the Leafs need to think about going out and getting some of that 
so that they're better equipped for trench warfare, not just piling up wins in the regular season. So I'm happy you brought, brought that up because there's a few questions in the chat regarding the trade deadline March 3rd. And as soon as you said that oxymoron, I thought of a guy returning for the Detroit Red Wings tonight who's been linked to the Leafs for like five years, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. So I'm going to put you on the hot seat. If you're Kyle Dubas, what are you trying to accomplish between now and March 3rd, Matt? I think the shopping list for Kyle Dubas is getting uh, longer than I thought it was going to be a few <laughs> months ago, I have to admit. So yeah. I mentioned the heavy skill forward and Tyler Bertuzzi, that could be a good example. It's the equivalent, you know, the Leafs need to find their version of what Nick Paul brought to the Tampa Bay Lightning last year. So it could be in all situations forward, even a middle six forward who can play up in the lineup. I think Bertuzzi has the grit. He's not that big of a guy, but he plays with an edge. But we know, of course, the decor, I think they could use another really solid top four reliable player, a long-term replacement for Jake Muzzin, and someone with a little bit of, of brawn, a little bit of grit to his game. Because I've said this for the last couple of years, teams picked on Jake Muzzin. They realized he was the only player that would answer the bell in that decor. And that's why Muzzin took so many licks. And I think it broke down his body. So I think they need to fortify that back end with a little more toughness. Ideally, they can play a little higher. Top four would be perfect. And goaltending, we'll see. I know Rosie's feeling good about Ilya Samsonov <laughs> and Matt Murray, but that's the numbers he's quoting there. That's the season-long sample. We know the sample size lately it's not as good for those two. And you have to wonder, as I wrote last week, are they turning back into pumpkins? So I'm not saying Dubas has to act yet on the goaltending, but a month from now, if there's still cracks there in the armor, you have to start thinking about maybe taking a big swing at someone like, I don't know, UC Sorrow, someone that with team control another couple of years, very reasonable AAV, a definite clear bell cow number one. We're not there yet, but I think it's fair to panic a month from now if the, if the goaltending isn't sort of back on track. I like that. And I would advise all to check out that article. It was really well done on dailyfaceoff.com. And I, I just think... I mentioned it off the top, man. It's so eerily similar to what they put forth last year, almost to a T, including Jack Campbell in November, right? Like, and I understand they're coming off a successful weekend and they look forward to the next 41 games to wrap this regular season. But I think if you're the brain trust in Toronto, you have to be on guard at least knowing that they're trending in the same type of direction as they did last year when it came to the goaltending, no? 100%. You have to have a little bit of PTSD. And I, I took a little heat for, you know, being a reactionary media member when I wrote that story. And it's funny, my yeah. my seat in the press box, sometimes the, the Leafs, the scratches are behind me and I'm kind of like folding my laptop. I don't want them to see what I'm writing in the middle of that game, the Kraken <laughs> game. But I think it's a fair question to ask given what happened last season. And the Leafs decided to let it ride with Jack Campbell. I don't think he was bad in the playoffs per se, but he just has not been, or he wasn't the guy who could make that save who could steal a game. And, and I wrote that last week. The Leafs have not had a goaltender who can steal them a playoff game since Ed Belfour. That's two decades. And that, that was a, a grizzled end of career Ed Belfour. And two years in a row, I mean, they were up against Carey Price and Andre Vasilevsky in consecutive years. They faced the team that had the goalie who could steal one. Even Eunice Corposalo the year before that was able to steal a game against them. The Leafs have not had that game stealer. So I think it's fair to wonder if Matt Murray can be that guy anymore, if Elias Samsonov can become that guy for the first time in his career. And the answer might be yes, but it's just risky. We just know with these two, especially with the injury history with Matt Murray, can you? it's almost like no matter what they do between now and the playoffs, we don't know for sure if it's going to hold up because the track record recently, Samsonov has not realized his potential as a prospect yet, and Matt Murray, his game has been down in the dumps for so many years. It's just hard to trust. And if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm just a little nervous. You have to be. To me, it's fascinating, Matt, because I think when I look back at at least the last couple of series, and maybe it's a bit 
jaded by the whole pandemic thing and there was no crowd and you can make every excuse in the book but my lasting memory always seems Toronto's inability to score that that important goal as opposed to the goalie not making the save. I don't know if it resonates the same for you, but that's always what I remember from these respective series is more so they couldn't score that goal, you know, to put the foot on the neck of the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Montreal Canadiens. It's never, it hasn't at least in recent memory been all, he could have made that save because they've lost some weird games in the Stanley Cup playoffs the last couple of years. It's been bizarre to me. Yeah, I think it's fair. I, I definitely think about the deciding game against Columbus. I have, I have memories of John Tavares. I think oh. he was hitting the post a bunch of times, right, in that game. <laughs> yeah. And Montreal, the way they came back. But it's it's also, when I think about the save, uh, I think it's both. Because if you look at the Montreal series a couple of years ago, those overtime games, and Tampa, you had them 3-2 in the third period. Mm -hmm. You had them overtime, a chance to win it. You were up 3-2 in the series. All you need is one save from Jack Campbell in both of those years, right? And he just couldn't come up with it. I don't want to pin it all on him because I agree. The forwards were probably pressing as well. It, so it was a team failure, but it was. they were so close. We're talking one goal. We're talking overtime away from advancing two seasons in a row. And they couldn't just get the one save they needed, right? The breakaway, like the, the breakdown against the Habs, the, the, I think it was a shorthanded goal in overtime, right? Where Galchenyuk had the big giveaway. They Galchenyuk. Couldn't get that one save to bail out a mistake. And I think if you have that under Vasilevsky, that's that game stealer you do get that save once in a while even if it's once in an entire postseason that could be the difference between a win and a loss yeah unbelievably i think those two painful losses to columbus and montreal made the pandemic even longer for yours truly as the leafs radio host covering this team i could not believe what i was witnessing but certainly i want to look at some positives some some standouts um you know we we touched on the goaltending to me pontus holmberg's been an incredible story i, I think I think in this cap era, it's imperative that you have players like this come from reminders and really elevate. And I think he's been a mainstay in this lineup. Another guy that comes up is Connor Timmins. I think Kyle Dubas and company, granted, it's a small sample size, but like they deserve a lot of credit for taking that flyer because uh, he's looked really, really good so far as a Leaf. And now we find out today, TJ, TJ Brody, excuse me, on injured reserve. That's right. And I'm especially intrigued by Timmons. I think Holmberg has been a really nice story and he's brought nice versatility to the bottom six. But Timmons to me really jumps off the page because this guy was a, a pretty high-end prospect. He wasn't a first-round pick, but he was pretty highly regarded in the Colorado Avalanche system. This was a guy playing on the Canadian World Junior team. He was at that level. And there was a time when people were mentioning Colorado's stable of defenseman prospects, they, you'd, you'd mention them in the same breath. You'd say, they got Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, Connor Timmins. He was held in not quite that high of a regard, but he was up there. And what really derailed his career was not his skill, it was his head injuries. And of course, it's scary. It reminds me of Andre Kasha with the Leafs last year. You're always waiting for the next one, and you worry that there's one hit away from a possible career-ending situation. So, of course, that still scares me with Connor Timmins, but it was never about his skill. And I love the fact that he's getting a chance here to prove himself. I, I would like to see him in the lineup more regularly, but with TJ Brody out and Brody, of course, even, even as a lefty often plays the right side, that's going to be an opportunity, I think, for Timmons to stick. And so far he's shown a lot of promise when he's had the opportunity. Austin Matthews, um, a big topic of conversation. Again, I mentioned earlier on that we call it an off-season, quote-unquote, and he's still on pace for 40 goals. I think, you know, for one, it just shows you the expectation for a guy of the oak of Austin Matthews. But number two, there is certainly room to grow for this player. What, what's your assessment been of Austin Matthews' post-heart trophy here? Oh, Nick, I have so many thoughts. On one hand, I still <laughs> point to one of the very first games in the season. He took a really awkward fall 
And I still wonder if he's playing through something that's holding him back. So much of his game, his body has to be a finely tuned weapon to be able to shoot the way he does. And I don't think he looks quite himself. And he's shown in the past, he is a guy who will play through injuries and get them fixed in the summer. So I do wonder that. That's my little tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Uh, I was at that game. It was behind the play. And I said, man, that was a bad fall. Um, But overall, I still think we're seeing a complete game from Austin Matthews. And this is a guy who knows his history. If you talk to him about the Leafs' legacy, he often will reference things like the Detroit Red Wings, how it took them a long time to break through. And a key component of that breakthrough was Steve Eiserman sacrificing a little bit of offense to become a more complete player. What what I think we see with Austin Matthews now is just an excellent two-way forward. He's great in his own end. He's still a master of the takeaway. He's on pace for 94 points, 40 goals. Still very strong offensively, obviously not the standard we're used to, but I still think he's just as impactful as ever at both ends of the ice. And that's why I did give him my first place vote for the heart last year, because I think he does it at both ends. That said, I wouldn't be surprised if his body is feeling right to see him go on a tear. And Frank and I on Daily Faceoff Live were debating this last week, Frank Valley, because the expected goals numbers tell you that Austin Matthews is a bit unlucky this year. So I do think he's going to do something like score 30, 35 goals in the second half, health permitting. Uh, and I know Frank put it, I think the way he said was, well, expected goals aren't goals. And I say, yes, but they do predict goals. They can predict future goals. So I do think there are a lot of future goals coming for Austin Matthews. And I'd be willing to bet he finishes with 50 goals when all is said and done. I like to think he's saving those goals for the Stanley Cup playoffs when this team needs it the most. Uh, to wrap, we have a producer, Alex, I think wants to play us a video um, off the cuff. And we're going to get your reaction to this whole thing because it's pretty crazy. So pretty much, I don't believe there's volume with this. But it, essentially, and Alex will correct me if I'm wrong and I'll tell you off air. But essentially, there is a chat bot, a chat bot that's been created, pretty much can write a piece for you. I don't know if do you know anything about this? Yeah, I did that, see it was it was Ryan Reynolds who was doing a demo yes. of it, and you basically can provide the parameters to this AI, and it will write like a pretty decent article for you, which is kind of terrifying for guys like you and me. Uh, yeah, but well, that's that's exactly I, what I was going to ask. The how, do you, how do you feel as a writer? <laughs> you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin it as glass half full, okay? I'm someone who always like preaches it. to people, keep your standard of writing high. Don't write in cliches. Don't write in a way that can be tough to discern from anyone else's writing or, in this case, from a robot's writing. You want to be original. You want to push yourself to write in a way that's just very clearly human and uniquely human. And maybe these robots, before they go to war with us in like 50 years, Terminator style, these robots are going to push us to become better writers. So you know what? Bring it on, robots. I'm ready for you. Because I don't know if you're seeing the screen right now. This robot just wrote an entire story based about <laughs> Nick and Matt. That's dude, that's insane to me. Like technology these days. I don't know. On one token, it worries me because like even as a writer or a broadcaster or as a producer, like everybody's going to get replaced one day, right? Like I just have that feeling like what's the next thing that's going to... And I guess that's why we have to evolve in media, right? That's right. And I, I still think it can be a good thing. It can push you to be a better version of yourself and a more uniquely human version of yourself. And and I say that tongue in cheek, but what I mean when I say unique, uniquely human is I mean different and willing to stand out and, and give a kind of effort that could never be replicated by a robot. And this reminds me, I don't know if you remember this, Nick, if you're a big new movie guy, but about 20 years ago when the Final Fantasy movie came out, it was supposed to be the death of acting. Everyone was saying, oh my God, this movie is synthetic. All the actors are digitally created. There are no actual actors used for this movie. This is going to be the beginning of the end. We're never going to have people acting on screen in 10, 15 years. It didn't happen. That was a lot of hype. 
And in the end, you could not replicate the real human experience and emotion. So I think that can show up in your writing as well, as long as you're not lazy, you don't write with cliches. And I, I think if we treat it that way, it's a good thing. It'll push everyone to be better and distinguish themselves from what AI can do. I really appreciate the positivity to wrap. Please promote your fantastic work, including your new podcast. Oh, thank you, Nick. Thank you for the chance to plug. Puck Poolies is our new fantasy hockey podcast with me and Stephen Ellis. We have lots of exciting guests every week, including, of course, Nick himself. From time to time, we're talking fantasy, we're taking your questions, and we're even doing fantasy lineups for something that has nothing to do with hockey every week, just to keep it light and fun. And the next episode is going to be later today with a very special guest. Awesome. Can't wait. And Matt, I appreciate your time here today. Thanks, bud. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. That is uh, Matt Larkin, ma managing editor and senior writer for Daily Faceoff. Always brings it. I love your perspective too, like the outside the box type approach. So very appreciative of Matt hopping on. He was like the first person I thought of to bring on at the midway point, just to get his thoughts. He's always at the games. He's been covered a long, long time. And it's a, uh, it's always a good perspective when you have Rosie, right? And I hope Rosie's watching right now. He's watched this team for like 41 games and like, yeah, they're going to win the Stanley Cup, right, Rosie? So um, it's always great to get Matt's uh, perspective here on the show and very appreciative of his time. And I won't lie, that new technology scares the hell out of yours truly. The chat is on fire. I'll get to some of those momentarily. But first, the wrap-up is brought to you by our friends at Points by Canada. Man, I'm still feeling the pain after last night where I had the over six and a half between Buffalo and Philadelphia and the Flyers storm out on the road in the back-to-back. -back. They score three goals in the first period. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. And then Sam Arison, the backup for the Flyers, just has the game of his life. He made like 15 10-bell saves. So what I'm getting at is the Flyers win 4 nothing, and the under hits, sadly. And I did mention on the show yesterday that the over had hit in the seven straight meetings between Buffalo and Philadelphia. It had to end eventually. Anyways, uh, onwards and forwards we move on to tonight's slate. I would like the Miko Rantanen shot prop. Over three and a half shots on goal. Last I checked around minus 125, as you can see on your screen right there. 18 shots on goal in the past two games for Rantanen. The Avalanche back home hosting the Florida Panthers, who have really, really struggled. And of course, in the Atlantic Division here against Toronto Maple Leafs. So be the Panthers are playing the Leafs next week, so look out for that. But Ranton has been shooting the puck like crazy. Nine shots on goal the past two games, 18 in total. Uh, he's the trigger guy as well on line two for Newhook and Confer uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. And in general, McKinnon and, and Rantanen, more times than not, I do look at their shot props. So I do think there's substantial value in the Miko Rantanen shot prop tonight for the Colorado Avalanche. So there is my play back to the shot props. When I'm not feeling anything else, I go back to the shop props. Uh, I mentioned I'd wrap with uh, looking at the chat. Uh, a lot of the guys and Tim and Matumbo, uh, two people here in the chat, have been uh, breaking down Timo Meyer. We talked with Matt about potential deadline targets for the Leafs. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi's name comes to mind. I think that type of player, but I do think you need a bona fide sort of finisher. And I, I think you have to weigh the the pros and cons at the deadline if you're Kyle Dubas. Like, how many teams in recent memory have made that big-time move at the deadline and done nothing in the Stanley Cup playoffs? But then conversely, you look at Colorado. Uh, they they tinkered half the roster, it seemed, the last year's deadline. They go on to win the Stanley Cup. And, of course, the big one was our Terry Lekkinen going from Montreal to Colorado. And not to mention some of the other ads. So certainly that's what I think they're weighing in the war room right now in Toronto over the next couple of months. And who that? I know Kelly Yarncroke's been a big story on line two, but I mentioned on yesterday's show, 
I think in a perfect world, he's better suited for the third line, uh, more in, in sort of a middle six look. And uh, he could, he's a guy who can step up from time to time. So to me, I think that would be priority number one is to get a winger, preferably a left winger uh, for the top six to play potentially with Tavares and Marner to be a potent threat. I don't know if Timo Meyer is going to make sense, uh, specifically the fact that he's in RFA next summer. He's going to demand a lot of money, and we know there's a bunch of players in the Leafs who already make a lot of money in a cap world. So I don't know if it would make sense to give up the assets San Jose would want for like one year of Meyer, only to trade him later on. But again, stranger things I've done, and I do preach creativity um, in this NHL world, so you never know on that front. But Tyler Bertuzzi, again, is another guy returning for Detroit. Who could make a lot of sense? Uh, so certainly we look forward to the second half of the season. We're expected to be joined tomorrow, by the way. Make note of this by Claude Giroux of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, things could change, but we are expected to be joined by G, who is uh, one of Jay Rosehill's former teammates with the Philadelphia Flyers. So can't wait for that. I know Ottawa is playing the Leafs in a couple weeks' time. In fact, the game Rosie and yours truly will be at at Scotiabank Arena. So we look forward, fingers crossed, to uh, touching base with uh, Claude Giroux tomorrow. And again, the Leafs, after two days off, will host the Nashville Predators tomorrow night. Then they're at Detroit on Thursday. And then a big-time matchup with the Boston Bruins on Saturday. Can't wait for that one. So many thanks to Matt Larkin of Daily Faceoff, Jay Rosal, three hits with Rosie. Bang on once again. Producer Alex nailed it as per usual. I'm Nick Alberga. Thanks so much for listening and watching. Talk tomorrow.